Race is becoming an issue in the presidential campaign, but which Democrat is it hurting? It's been 35 years since the infamous Roe v. Wade decision legalizing abortion. We'll preview this Saturday's March for Life in Dallas, and we'll discuss the nation's Christian roots with historian William Federer. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here is Penna Dexter. I am so proud of my party. I am so proud of my country, and I am so proud of Senator Barack Obama. Even though she's running against him for president, of course, that's Hillary Rodham Clinton speaking in a predominantly black church yesterday in South Carolina. And she said that she's pleased that there's both a female and an African-American running for president. Race is becoming an issue, uh, but it's an issue just in the Democrat race. As a matter of fact, uh, let's just open up the phones right now and talk about this question. Who does the race issue help the most or hurt the most in this Democrat primary and why? Give us a call, 800-881-9270. On NBC's Meet the Press on Sunday, Hillary said that the Obama campaign has actually tried to put the focus on race, basically misinterpreting or overselling some comments that she and her husband Bill Clinton made last week regarding Martin Luther King Jr.'s legacy. This is, you know, a, a, an unfortunate uh, storyline that the Obama campaign has pushed very successfully. And here are those comments. This is Hillary Clinton responding recently to Barack Obama's comments on Martin Luther King Jr. She's getting criticized for this. I would point to the fact that uh, Dr. King's dream uh, began to be realized when President Lyndon Johnson passed the Civil Rights Act of 1964, when he was able to get through Congress something that uh, uh, President Kennedy was hopeful to do, President uh, before had not even tried, but it took a president to get it done. That dream became a reality. The power of that dream became real in people's lives because we had a president who said, we're going to do it, and actually got it accomplished. Now, yesterday she said uh, that Dr. King marched, he organized, he protested, he was gassed, he was beaten, he was jailed. He understood that he had to move in the political process and bring in those who were in political power, uh, like LBJ, and that's what she was referring to. So she's sort of trying to tamp down the emotions with regard to this whole issue. But give us a call and let me know what you think. Do you think this whole flap hurts Hillary, helps Hillary, hurts Barack Obama, helps 
Barack Obama or none of the above. Our number again is 800-881-9270. Let me also mention that this is God and Country Month on KCBI, and there is a survey up at uh, the website kcbi.org, and it basically supports this month's theme. You can go uh, into this uh, website, take the survey. It asks the questions, do we still trust in God in this country? What do you think about prayer in school and separation of church and state? Uh, Again, you can take the survey at kcbi.org. Prayer in school will be the topic uh, on the morning show on Wednesday with Kelly Shackelford. He'll be joining uh, them. And uh, also today we're going to be talking about God and country and our Christian roots with William Federer, historian and author and frequent guest on this program. Uh, He's always a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that later in the program. Also, it's been 35 years since the Supreme Court found, and I'm putting that in quotes, a right to abortion in the Constitution. Fifty million babies uh, have been murdered in the womb since then. Their deaths will be commemorated in ceremonies, of course, all over the nation this weekend and going into next week. The 22nd of January is the 35th anniversary of Roe versus Wade. Now, here in Dallas, I have the privilege and the opportunity to be the mistress of ceremonies for the March for Life events on Saturday. And uh, we're going to speak uh, with the organizer of those events, Kylene Wright, a little later in the program. We'll tell you how you can participate. Well, we've uh, already got some calls on this whole presidential issue. So let's go right to the phones and speak with Yvette in Dallas. Hi, Yvette. Thank you for calling. Hi. How are you? I'm calling because I am just a little bit uh, miffed about Hillary Clinton trying to throw the the statement that she made onto the Obama uh, camp who has not even responded or commented about it. She's trying to um, do a damage control, and she's a lawyer, so she's very good with words, but... She started that, and to implicate Obama as if he initiated this whole thing is ludicrous. It's absolutely ludicrous. I think she sees uh, the polls, which are showing that Obama's doing better among blacks, and she's doing better among whites. And uh, this is the campaign is a little bit worried about it. They want to keep the momentum coming out of uh, New Hampshire. And uh, she really did make, well, this is what Obama said about it. He said, Senator Clinton made an unfortunate remark, an ill-advised remark about King and Lyndon Johnson. I didn't make the statement. So he has spoken about it, but that's what he said. And uh, Mr. Obama called Mrs. Clinton's implication that his campaign had twisted her words absolutely ludicrous. Yvette, tell me, uh, who do you support for president? Would you like to tell us? Um, I actually support Huckabee. Great. Okay. More of our values. All right. Well, we're going to hear from him right now because uh, speaking of speaking in churches, which was done yesterday by some candidates, including Hillary Clinton, Mike Huckabee also preached yesterday in Spartanburg, South Carolina, uh, in the morning, and uh, he was he spoke about that. He he discussed it on MSNBC's Morning uh, Joe with Mika Brzezinski. He was asked about this and. This is what he said. Sure you have. Every candidate in the Democrat Party that ever has run for office uh, goes to churches. The difference is they talk about politics. I go and talk about Jesus, and somehow everybody gets crazy about it. Uh, I'm not sure what uh, what the big deal is, but uh, I, I go to church every Sunday. The pastor of that church is someone I've known for 25 years. He asked me to come, uh, be in his services, and I enjoyed being there. It was a wonderful experience, and uh, it was pretty natural for me to... To, uh, to be in that setting. 
That was Mike Huckabee responding to Mika Brzezinski on MSNBC's Morning Joe. And uh, she said, I've just never seen a candidate preaching his way to the top of the polls. And he's defending the fact that he's preaching. And, you know, you could weigh in on that uh, also in this segment. Is it okay for a candidate to preach in the pulpit? I mean, I think it's better to preach than to politic, which is what uh, the Democrat candidates usually do when they go to churches on Sunday during campaigns. Let's go to Barry in Grand Prairie. Barry, thank you so much for calling. Hi, Pam. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I enjoy the show very much. Well, thank you. Um, I don't. I, I don't often. I don't get to hear the show as as much as I used to because I changed uh, careers. But has it been discussed um, on the show about uh, Barack's um, membership with the Trinity United uh, Church of Christ? It has been discussed. Yes, and we've got uh, somewhere in my pile of papers. I've got uh, the first page of their website and. This is a, a church that, it's a Church of Christ, United Church of Christ Church. You may know more about it than I do, Barry, but uh, it really has an agenda to uh, advance black issues uh, and also an agenda to help Africa. Uh, do you know any more about it than that? Well, I mean, if you go, I've been to the webpage, and if you go to the About Us, it basically says they are unashamedly black uh, and and they are pushing unashamedly or unashamedly black and unashamedly Christian. Mm-hmm. I believe is, mm-hmm. is what they say. Yeah, here it is. Uh, I've got and, it. And, and I don't have a problem with you know a church per se. You know, being uh, a mainly black membership. I'm, I'm sure there are many mainly white membership churches in the United States uh, just because of where they're located. But but we don't advertise that as such uh, uh, the, uh, the way this one does. Uh, there is an article that uh, Barack has said that he will basically, should he get the nomination, he will distance himself from the church based on mm-hmm. on their doctrine. You know, I don't really see Barack Obama running for president as a black. I just see him running for president. I mean, I just think that's the way he's been conducting himself. But I will tell you, I'll, I'll affirm what you just said, uh, Barry, on this website, because there are several points. They talk about something called a black value system, and then they talk about several things they're committed to. For instance, Africa and also the historical education of African people in uh, diaspora, diaspora. Uh, liberation, which scares me a little, because liberation theology is basically socialism, communism. Uh, and then uh, economic parity scares me a little bit, too, because to me that's uh, raising taxes. <laughs> anyway, thanks for your call, Barry. I really appreciate it. And uh, we're going to go on and hear a little bit about something that's taking place tomorrow that we're all looking toward, the Michigan primary. This is really uh, only affecting Republicans. And uh, John McCain is hoping he'll win. He uh, did win New Hampshire last week. And he told a rally he knows Michigan residents are facing some hard times. Their state is important. I am an optimist. I'm a believer in the innovation and technology and capability of America, particularly in this state where the automotive industry has been the engine of America's economy. Okay, you've got John McCain running first, barely, uh, ahead of Mitt Romney, who's from Michigan. His father was governor of Michigan, and he was uh, raised there in his early years. Uh, But it's very interesting that John McCain talks about the auto industry because he supported a bill raising the CAFE standards, uh, the mileage standards, to 35 miles per hour by 2020. That really hurts Detroit. So for him to come there and talk about uh, the economy in that way, I'm sure people are thinking, you know, in the back of their minds, well, what about 
the pain that's come to Detroit just simply from American uh, governmental regulation. It's pro- it's been in a basically a recession there in Michigan for a couple of years. It's probably got the scariest economy in the country. So the candidates are talking about the economy there. Mike Huckabee is in third place. A lot of people think, though, that that is uh, going to be interesting because Democrats may vote in the Republican primary since they don't get to seat delegates from this state. They were punished, as we mentioned last week for moving the state up so early. And uh, Huckabee is talking about their pain, and he may be uh, appealing to some of these folks. He's got a couple of union endorsements also. Well, we are taking your calls about the race issue in the presidential campaign. Let's go to Benji in Arlington. Benji, thanks so much for calling. If you'd like to make a call. I think we lost Benji. I talked too long and didn't go to uh, Benji soon enough. We still have some time to take some more calls. So if you'd like to weigh in on this issue, you can. Uh, 800-881-9270. Sunday on CBS's Face the Nation, Mitt Romney was uh, talking about Michigan. He said uh, he, he was asked if the pressure is great to win in that state since he grew up there. Well, of course, I've already won one in Wyoming, and uh, so we each now have one win. I've also got two silvers, so I've got more votes for president than anybody else in the race at this stage. I plan on winning Michigan, and there's no question if it were just Republicans and independents, I'd win Michigan. But Democrats also get to vote in the primary here, so you can't be 100% sure. But I'm going on to South Carolina and Nevada. We're going all the way through February 5th. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. This is a race that's not going to be decided by a few states. It's a race that I'm taking to the nation. A lot of the pundits, a lot of the polls are saying that Romney is in trouble, but a week ago Hillary was slated to come in second in New Hampshire, and she came in first. So we have no idea. Let's go back to the phones. Benji is back. Benji, thanks for calling. Yeah, I just wanted to say that I applaud Mike Huckabee and his comments on uh, the morning Joe. Uh, The fact that every Democratic candidate that's ever run for office goes to churches and basically preaches politics and uh, one thing he didn't point out is it violates their their 5013C status, and uh, <laughs> I I can't understand why there's such a double standard. I guess it's because of the reporters that are reporting. It's funny that Barry Lynn and the Americans United for Separation in Church and State don't go and sue these Democrat churches. I know they send out letters to all the churches telling them they can't have candidates. Uh, But the candidates are showing up anyway, and there's nothing wrong, as we'll find out later in the program, with uh, someone who's a preacher who's running for president preaching on a Sunday in a Baptist church, which is what happened yesterday. That's what Mike Huckabee did. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, next up we're going to talk about life because we are leading up to the 35th anniversary of the infamous Roe versus Wade decision. Kylene Wright is one of the organizers of the March for Life here in Dallas, Texas. And uh, she's going to join us to tell us all about it and how you can be involved if you'd like to be. So stay with us. Churches all over town. Christian radio and TV. God opens the windows of heaven to you. The Pledge of Allegiance. And in your pocket on a few coins, a declaration of trust. One nation under God. We should be looking for candidates who endorse us. January 29th, Criswell College presents a lecture series to explore if it's still true. One nation under God. Dr. Richard Land, president of the Ethics and Religious Liberties Commission, will be speaking. It is our responsibility to speak up for those 
who cannot speak for themselves. You are invited. We've got so much to talk about. January 29th, 30th, and 31st at the Criswell College in Dallas. We'll hear if America's past is on track with America's future. One nation under God. Listen also for extra coverage from the CRN News Team. More of the music and ministry you can trust. This month from the Criswell Radio Network. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. We were promised compassionate conservatism. And instead we got Katrina and wiretaps and a neglect of the poor and the needy all throughout the country. Candidate Barack Obama speaking at a campaign rally in Nevada. Of course, that primary is also coming up soon. Uh, But what we are not talking about, and we haven't heard much about, we should be hearing about this, as we look toward uh, commemorating the 35th anniversary of Roe versus Wade, is the fact that Barack Obama is the most radically pro-abortion candidate running right now. And we're going to give you some more on that as the week goes on. Uh, but uh, we do need to keep talking about that. Now, every year uh, at this time, President Bush speaks to the March for Life rally in Washington, D.C. via phone, using his bully pulpit to encourage the nation toward a culture of life. This is going to take place next Tuesday, but this Saturday, there is a March for Life right here in Dallas. It begins at the plaza at Ross and Pearl. It ends at the federal building at Griffin and Commerce where there will be a wreath-laying ceremony. I have the privilege and opportunity to be the MC, and uh, we're going to talk about this event with our guest. She is Kyleen Wright, and she is president of Texans for Life. And, Kyleen, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you, Penna. We're so excited that you're coming. I'm very excited. Uh, tell our listeners exactly what is going to be happening on Saturday. Well, we will be praying uh, for an end to abortion and praying that... Um, young girls and women will choose life for their families, and we will be praying for um, our lawmakers, and we will hear from uh, State Representative Will Hartnett, who is a hero to the pro-life movement and someone that Planned Parenthood has targeted. And um, we're very excited that Wendy Wright is coming. She's the president of Concerned Women for America and a leader on this issue for about 15 years. And so we will... Um, as much as uh, the prayer and everything, we want to have a public witness that people of faith really do come together from a very broad spectrum and pray for, long for, and demand an end to the killing. Colleen, uh, you know, we've talked since 1973, the Roe versus Wade and the Dole versus Bolton, uh, Bolton decisions, about overturning that decision. And, you know, as we look at this presidential race right now, that is up for grabs. I mean, in a sense, there's a possibility that Roe could be overturned with just a little bit of a tweak in the Supreme Court, isn't there? Absolutely. We think that we're only one Supreme Court justice away. So that's the elephant in the room that the candidates don't want to talk about. But it's everything to us. Everything's at stake for, you know, over a million babies a year. And there are moms and families who are hurt by abortion. Uh, it's absolutely incredible when you think about over a million babies uh, a year, 50 million babies. Really. Yeah, that's twice the population of the state of Texas. Oh, my goodness. And, of course, it started here, and that's why this March for Life is so important here in Dallas this weekend. And I want you to kind of uh, help people 
understand how they can be involved in this because anybody can come. You can bring your family, and it's not one of those uh, rallies where there are the gory pictures or any no, of that. It's a very family friendly event, and in fact, in the beginning, we had a hard. The police were not very happy about having to um, escort us, but now that they um, understand who we are and what we're doing, um, all the same police come back and are happy to help us. Um, it's very family friendly, and after the march to the courthouse, we march back, and there will be um, a reception and kind of a fellowship where. We're, you can uh, meet the sponsoring ministries and see what they're doing and see if you'd like to be involved and get a bite to eat and some refreshments, something to drink. Uh, Mindy Lou's Pies is donating several hundred pies for our guests. And hmm. so, um, yeah, it, it, Can't it, wait. it's a really fun way to, um, to find out how God wants to use you in this, in this important work. What time should people show up who want to participate? About 11.30, we'll start um, with a praise and worship, and um, then the, the actual rally with the speakers gets underway at noon, and then 12.45, 1 o'clock, we're on the march walking a mile to the federal courthouse. So we walk a mile, and where, if people want to be with us on Saturday, where exactly should they show up and also give us uh, a place where they can either call or go online to find out more information? Okay. Um, well, the, if they come to uh, the church there has a garage parking lot, and you can enter from the northbound lanes of Pearl, or you can enter from Crockett, and parking will be free that day. I don't believe there's any charge for the meters on Saturday, so it's not going to be difficult at all. And... Um, um, what was it? Oh, to so find out more about it, to get the flyer, to get the map and everything, go to our website at TexLife, T-E-X-L-I-F-E dot org, or C-W-A, C-W-F-A dot org, ProLifeDallas.org. Um, all of us have it up, and um, uh, our numbers are there. We'll be happy to help you with directions. Um, we, we will have, and even in our food, we really tried to plan for the children. The security will be there. It is a safe and fun environment for your family, and um, bring your banners. If your church or your youth group or your Girl Scout or Boy Scout group has a banner, bring it um, and you know carry it with pride and, and be a public witness for uh, life and Lord. This is really a, um, a serious way to stand for life, and in a sense it's somber. In another sense, though, there's solidarity with others who have been fighting for the sanctity of life. And uh, as Kyleen mentioned, Wendy Wright, president of Concerned Women for America, will be speaking to the group. Also, uh, State Representative Will Hartnett. And you mentioned, Kyleen, that he's been targeted by Planned Parenthood uh, because he's really been a warrior for life, hasn't he? He has. He um, uh, actually sort of worked in the amendments that gave us not only parental consent in um, a couple legislatures ago, but also the strictest third trimester ban in the country. And so they have sent out a number of mailings with his, you know, poster on a tree wanted. And um, we want him to know how much we appreciate him sticking his neck on the line for us and the babies. And it is a wonderfully inspiring and refreshing um, event, way to get involved. There will be um, at least a thousand people marching, maybe more, and several thousand people at the rally. 
Colleen, uh, one thing that happened recently uh, this past year is that President, Le- uh, President Bush signed the uh, partial birth abortion ban, the national ban, and then it was upheld in the courts. Now, that's really the first uh, major restriction on abortion that, uh, you know, it's gone through all of these years of uh, debate, and it's finally in law. So what has that done for, for instance, the state of Texas or other states with regard to restricting abortion? Has it made it easier? Well, uh, because of uh, what Will Hartnett did, Ours is actually stricter than that, and so a lot of people did approach us, you know, are we going to do something like this in Texas? And the answer is no. What we have is already stricter than that. And um, um, interestingly enough, there there was some concern initially that that Planned Parenthood or some of the abortion advocates would sue to keep it from going, being enacted or enforced, but they did not. And um, so, you know, we're extremely happy about that. Okay, talking about presidential candidates, uh, I know Fred Thompson has been given a, um, an endorsement from the National Right to Life Committee. Uh, he says he would not support a human life amendment to the Constitution, but he would overturn Roe versus Wade. Do you have any comments about his, his positions? Well, um, you know, I understand where he's coming from, and we've heard this from other candidates, but our heart is to put the lives of, um, you know, 1.3 million babies and their families um, in the proper perspective and give them the protection that they need. And ultimately, in the end, that can only be done with a constitutional amendment. Uh, we um, we certainly would take a reversal of, of Roe v. Wade. Which just throws it back point. to the states, right? Uh, yes, that would mean 50 battles. Mm-hmm. So you're fighting. Well, pro-lifers know how to fight and they know how to battle. And, uh, you know, one more uh, question, Kyleen, because some people will come and they'll say, especially if they're Republicans, and uh, for a while there, of course, Rudy Giuliani was the front runner, and people were saying, well, listen, you've got to support him because he can beat the Democrats, and there's very little a president can do about abortion anyway. What do you think about that? Well, um, there's very much that they can do. In addition to the bully pulpit, there's the veto pen. There are all these appointments from the Attorney General to the DHHS, the Department of Health and Human Services, which oversees all this grant money. And, you know, he, uh, because he has the veto pen, he can hold up a budget because he wants abstinence funding in there or not. Um, there's the Mexico City policy uh, prohibiting us from funding um, uh uh, family planning groups overseas that advocate and refer for abortion. The Democrats always want to um, take that away. And if you might, you might recall that when Bill Clinton was elected, that was his very first act. And then when um, Bush was elected, that was his very first act was to restore it. So um, it really does matter in so many, many ways. Um, we don't have federal funding of embryonic stem cell research because we had a president who who stood. Um, against all odds to uh, block it. He really and did stand strong, didn't he? he? He did, and we're very appreciative. And And because he did, it appears that, you know, science is going in a whole other direction. It really made a huge difference. Ladies and gentlemen, stand for life with us this Saturday. Uh, the March for Life is Saturday, 1130, and uh, Kyleen Wright has been with us telling us all about it. Kyleen, again, where can they find out more information? www.textlife.org 
Kyleen, seeing you. I look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Uh, Kyleen, thanks for being with us. And ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you will join us on Saturday. It's supposed to be sunny. Uh, well, we are talking God and country this month on KCBI and Jerry Johnson Live. Uh, who better to do that with us than historian and author William Federer? He's going to join us next. We'll ask him about the National Religious Freedom Day, which is Wednesday. Also about these presidential candidates uh, going to churches, campaigning, preaching. Is this a good idea? Is it constitutional? All that right here on Jerry Johnson Live coming up. Stay with us. Listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. Well, I believe that in order to lead, you first have to listen. I also believe in the words of Scripture that we cannot just be hearers of the word, we must be doers. Faith without works is dead, and I know from long experience that works without faith is just too hard. Preach at Hillary. Uh, she's preaching at uh, yesterday in a predominantly black church in South Carolina, basically really campaigning because the primaries there are coming up, and uh, she's in a tight race with Barack Obama. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about God and country on KCBI, and here on Jerry Johnson Live, you folks uh, listening on KSYE and KCRN can also participate in this discussion. We're really raising the stars and the stripes this month by acknowledging the role of God in leading and in guiding America. And uh, one of our favorites to talk about this is William Federer. He's a nationally known speaker, best-selling author, also president of AmeriSearch, Inc., a publishing company dedicated to researching America's noble heritage. He's written lots of books, and he even ran for Congress a couple of times. Bill, thanks for joining us. Oh, Penn, it's always great to be with you. I wish you were in Congress right now so that you could talk some sense into those folks in Washington, D.C. But, uh, Bill, uh, you know, we're really talking about this because we just get so stressed out when we see all these efforts to try to strip God uh, out of everything public in this country. We've just gone through a holiday season where this is done, and the atheists came out in spades. Uh, but it just continues to be a problem in this country, doesn't it? Well, it does, and one of the things I've found is that multiculturalism is the AIDS virus of Western civilization. In other words, the idea that all cultures are of equal value. I spoke to several thousand public school students this last year, and I asked them a question. I said, do all cultures value human life equally? And they stopped, and then they said no. And, of course, in Islam, infidels are not equal to believing Muslims. Women are not equal to men. Uh, it takes two women to testify in court against one man. And, and then in the uh, Hindu countries, they believe in reincarnation. And if you just happen to be born in that lowest caste as an untouchable, you're not equal to a Brahmin, which is the highest caste. You have to take care of the garbage and live outside of town. Um, in the atheistic countries, like the former uh, USSR, your worth is dependent on your utility if you can contribute to the state, you're worth more. If you can't contribute to the state, you're voted off the island, you know, survivor program. Well, in America, you're equal, not because you're a Muslim male, not because you're a Brahmin, and not because you can contribute to the state. You're equal. Why? Well, Harry S. Truman, in his inaugural address, said, we believe all men are created equal because we're created in the image of God. Well, guess what? Only one belief system believes you're made in the image of God. That's the Judeo-Christian. That's the Bible. And 
in the image of God, he created them male and female. And in Islam, uh, it says Allah has no image. In Hinduism, there's 300 million different gods, so which one would you be made in the image of? And then in atheism, there is no god. So the very basic American idea that we're made in the image of God is a Judeo-Christian idea. If we get rid of the Judeo-Christian faith, we're going to get rid of the idea that everybody's equal, and we'll go to one of those other belief systems. William Federer is with me, and um, I noticed that this Wednesday is a day called Religious Freedom Day, and what it does is celebrate, uh, I guess, the enactment of the Virginia Statute for Religious Freedom. I'm sure you know about that. But I was reading about it, and it talked about how the battle back then had to do with the state imposing upon others a religion and that false religions could be imposed. And I was wondering if maybe even back then they were talking about Islam because that was, you know, rampant in the world. Were they? Um, well, I I know some of the different writers, uh, particularly Joseph Story, who was the uh, founder of the Harvard Law School. In his uh, 1833 um, commentary on the First Amendment, Joseph Story said the First Amendment was not intended to subjugate Christianity and advance other faiths like Mohammedism and Judaism hmm. and infidelity. The First Amendment was simply intended to prevent the preference of one Christian denomination over another. And uh, I wrote. But a now book it me. seems like more uh, other religions besides Christianity have more rights in this country, at least in this politically uh, correct environment, don't they? Oh, you're exactly right. You know, I put together a book called The Original Thirteen, and I trace the history of each colony. So Virginia was founded by Anglicans, Massachusetts by Puritans, Connecticut by Congregationalists, Rhode Island by Baptists, Pennsylvania by Quakers, New York by the Dutch Reformed, Delaware and New Jersey by Swedish Lutherans, uh, Maryland by Catholics, and Georgia by Protestants. And they didn't always get along, and they'd chase each other out of each other's colonies. And then once we uh, had the war, they had to work together to fight the King of England. Well, after the war, the only precedent they had seen in the other colonies and in Europe was that one denomination was chosen as the national one. And so they put in a First Amendment limiting the federal government from picking one of the Christian denominations in preference to the others. Uh, in no, and not in their wildest dreams did they think that someday this First Amendment would be used not just to kick out Christianity but to outlaw God. And, uh, and then to introduce another faith that says that Christians and Jews are infidels, which is Islam. Hmm. It's really being abused. Uh, Bill, do you know anything about this Religious Freedom Day that's taking place on Wednesday? Right. It was first instituted by Bill Clinton uh, back in 1998, uh, I'm sorry, 94. And um, uh, it is to celebrate January 16th, 1786, when Jefferson's Virginia Statute of Religious Freedom was passed. Uh, in Virginia, it was an Anglican colony from 1606 to 1786. Once we broke from the King of England, Virginia said, well, look, we've got to re rewrite our laws because they all acknowledge the king. Jefferson rewrote the statute regarding religious freedom. And in there, he makes an interesting statement. He said, Almighty God created the mind free. So number one, he acknowledged God exists and acknowledged he was monotheistic. And he says, and all attempts to influence it by burdens or civil incapacitations beget only habits of hypocrisy and, get this, 
are a departure from the plan of the holy author of religion, who, being Lord of body and mind, yet chose not to propagate it by coercion, which was in his almighty power to do, but to extend it by influence on reason alone. So here's Jefferson. He was so proud of this, he mentioned it on his gravestone, his epitaph. Uh, he even left off the fact that he was the third president. So this little statement I gave to you was very important to Jefferson. And what did he do? He used Jesus as the example of tolerance. Almighty God created the mind free, and all attempts to influence it by civil incapacitation are departure from the plan of the holy author of religion. Well, it's interesting that now we are outlawing Jesus and outlawing the teachings, and in matter of fact, we'd have the federal courts outlawing what Jefferson just said because he referred to the Creator and referred to Almighty God. All right, Bill Federer is with me, and uh, we want to encourage you to participate in Religious Freedom Day. I think uh, public schools have lots of ways that they can use this as the teaching tool. But, Bill, um, you know, let's just look at the presidential race for a moment because you've got uh, Hillary. We played a bite from her uh, earlier in the segment, preaching in a church in South Carolina, actually campaigning there. And then uh, Mike Huckabee actually preaching. And uh, this morning he talked about this with the hosts on Morning Joe on MSNBC. He was asked about his preaching in churches. Sometimes the questioner, Micah Brzezinski, saying, I've never seen a candidate preaching his way to the top of the polls. Here was Mike Huckabee's response. Sure you have. Every candidate in the Democrat Party that ever has run for office uh, goes to churches. The difference is they talk about politics. I go and talk about Jesus, and somehow everybody gets crazy about it. Uh, I'm not sure what, uh, what the big deal is, but uh, I, I go to church every Sunday. The pastor of that church is someone I've known for 25 years. He asked me to come, uh, be in his services, and I enjoyed being there. It was a wonderful experience, and uh, it was pretty natural for me to, uh, to be in that setting. He was in Mike Hamlet's church in Spartanburg, South Carolina, a pretty big church there, pretty influential, and uh, he actually preached a sermon. Bill Federer, which is more constitutional, preaching a sermon as a presidential candidate in a church or campaigning there? Uh, preaching a sermon. And uh, indeed, Thomas Jefferson, uh, he attended church regularly. As a matter of fact, Jefferson actually started a church. It was called the Calvinistical Reformed Church, and it met in the Albemarle County Courthouse in Virginia for eight years. Really? And um, uh, Jefferson thought he came up with a new idea because it was a quote-unquote voluntary church so that only the people attending it had to support it. Uh, Jefferson also supported two other churches because he was an Anglican, and since the Anglican Church was established in Virginia, everybody had to pay taxes to support the Anglican denomination, or you were fined. And so he thought this was a new invention, the uh, voluntary church. And then when Jefferson was president, he attended church in the U.S. Capitol. The largest Protestant church in the country met in the United States Capitol building up until 1868. I've been there and seen exactly where it met. It's pretty exciting. And so uh, church has always been a part of the country. And so this effort to secularize it is the rather new event. Um, I have a copy of a Gideon's New Testament that Franklin Roosevelt gave out by the millions to World War II soldiers. The, I have a tan copy, which went to the Army, and there's also a, a blue copy that had gone to the Navy. And Franklin Roosevelt wrote the foreword to it, and he says, As Commander-in-Chief, I take pleasure in recommending the reading of the Bible to all who serve in the armed forces. And it's ironic because just last week, a federal judge in Missouri 
uh, U.S. District Judge Catherine Perry outlawed the Gideons from passing yes. out Bibles in a school uh, in uh, Iron County, Missouri. So we see this uh, ACLU uh, liberal bent to uh, eradicate faith, and it does highlight the uh, irony of you can have Democrat candidates speaking in churches, but then they are the premier proponents of outlawing religious freedom that churches want to... It's pretty interesting. William Federer, thank you so much for joining us and helping us understand the roots, the Christian roots of our nation. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Penna. And uh, AmericanMinute.com is my website, if anybody... Oh, yes. Go there. AmericanMinute.com. Next up, we're going to talk about your thoughts on candidates speaking in churches. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. Thank you very much for joining us today, ladies and gentlemen, for Jerry Johnson Live. I'm Penna Dexter sitting in for Dr. Johnson. And uh, tomorrow is the Michigan primary. The Republicans uh, basically fighting it out there. Between three of them, two kind of in fighting it out for first place, McCain and Romney, and Huckabee's back a little ways, although there's sort of a uh, interesting factor there having to do with the bad economy in Michigan, and uh, some Democrats may be voting in this um, in this primary because they are their votes would be meaningless if they voted for Hillary or Barack Obama. Those delegates are not going to be seated. So, um, you know, I'm not going to predict who's going to win tomorrow, but I will say that there is a, a big competition between McCain and Huckabee. Huckabee's doing well in Iowa actually helped McCain uh, because it kind of knocked uh, Romney down a little bit. Uh, but it's a little bit of a showdown between these two candidates, McCain and Huckabee in Michigan, and uh, it's very interesting because on his first day campaigning, and also in South Carolina, there's a showdown between the two of them. On his first day campaigning in South Carolina after New Hampshire, McCain uh, brought the cadets from the Citadel to uh, burnish his military credentials. And Huckabee, the same day, basically put the emphasis on the social issues. He stopped by a pregnancy center and... Um, of course, it's a, the crisis pregnancy centers help talk women out of abortion and uh, also uh, speak to them about Jesus Christ. And so he went there. So it's very interesting uh, because McCain in South Carolina is uh, talking about the military, trying to talk about the economy in Michigan. Huckabee in South Carolina is talking about social issues, a lot of Christians down there. 
And in Michigan, he's talking about the economy and how he really feels the pain of the folks that have lost jobs uh, up there. So it's very interesting to watch. Uh, We have been talking about the fact that Mike Huckabee was in a pulpit yesterday preaching. Is that okay? Is that not okay? Give us a call and let us know. 800-881-9270. I do want to preview uh, for you tomorrow. We'll be having uh, scholar Ron Rhodes. He's also a theologian. And he's written a book about the end times, and this has been a big issue, some controversy over different differing views of the end times. So it will be interesting to talk to Ron Rhodes. I'm sure we'll also uh, talk about the Michigan primary, which is taking place tomorrow. We will not have the results, but we'll be able to talk about uh, some of the entrance polls and the exit polls. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, our number is 800-881-9270. We'd love to hear from you. And let's go to Dallas and talk with Tina. Hi, Tina. Thank you for calling. Hi, Tina. Thank you for taking my call. First, I'd like to say that um, I was very happy to get through, didn't think I would. But in terms of the national election, I'm very saddened that it has turned into an issue of race where in spite of Senator Obama's efforts to present himself as a qualified candidate and nothing more, um, on your speaker after that, he was talking about equality in America. I would say he's never lived a minority life in America, so there's still no equality there. Or it's very covert. We personally don't know about it. Um, in terms of the website for Obama's church, I think that no one who is not African American will understand the statements about being unashamedly black. And Probably true, right. So those are things, those, that statement was not intended for someone. Who's Tina, talk to me about inequality, just uh, some concrete examples that are taking place in this country. Well, in terms of um, if you work in corporate America as a minority, we know that there's an unequal playing field. There always have been and probably always will be. Uh, but in, in a sense, affirmative action turns that around. In fact, uh, it, it uh, changes the equation tremendously. Well, in theory, that's great, but in practice and reality, for those of us who work in corporate America and I'm in minorities, we would totally disagree with that. Are you African-American? I absolutely am, unashamedly. African-American. And Tina, who's your candidate? Uh, I haven't decided yet. Really? Do you, do you have any people you're, you want to tell us who you're kind of leaning toward? Well, if I had to go on my Christian values, it would be Huckabee. But from a national perspective and a history-making perspective, it would be Senator Obama. Very, very interesting. Uh, they they couldn't be further apart on the social issues. Tina, Absolutely. Thank yeah. you for your call. So people have to decide what's important, you know, and what are uh, moral values. As a matter of fact, there was a piece. Uh, that was in the Washington Times recently about moral values. People have different definitions of this. I mean, some people say they're the social issues, the things that uh, we talk about, abortion, marriage, family. Other people say, well, it's just the character of the candidate. Uh, You know, like, for instance, we've been looking at Rudy Giuliani's three marriages and some of the things uh, that took place uh, as he was mayor, and some people have been turned off by that, and it's affected the polls. Well, uh, let's go back to the phones. We'd love to hear from you, and we are hearing from you, so let's get some calls in. John is in Granbury. John, thanks for calling. Thank you. Uh, you know, Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. And I believe as far as that if we want to place our fear in the Lord, the living God that we serve, then we have to support as far as the candidates that step up and say, I support part of Christianity, but not all of it. I believe that we have to support as far as the candidates that say, I believe all of the Bible, not part of it. Mm -hmm. And I believe then that God will put into place whom he chooses. 
So do you think that we shouldn't uh, think about who's electable right now? We should just support in the primary process the person that goes along with our values to the greatest degree? Well, I believe if you look at those values, I believe that the candidate that uh, uh, endorses as far as the word of the Lord most closely is the candidate and everything that lines up as far as with the Christian principles that are in there. Who's that and for I, you? Well, you know, it it wouldn't matter if it was for me or anybody else. The only one that I see out there right now is Huckabee. You know, when you have other candidates like Giuliani and those that the Christian community will step up and say, well, if he would just adjust some of his views and everything here... He's not going to. He's not going to. Hey, listen, John, thank you so much for weighing in today. Let's go to North Richland Hills and talk with Deborah. Hi, Deborah. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, I just wanted to comment, Pennant, on um, Huckabee, uh, you know, preaching. I think that's great. Um, I think he's being who he really is. He's um, He has integrity, he has character, and um, I believe he's the man for the job. So Huckabee's your guy, too. Yeah. I wonder what's going to happen in Michigan tomorrow, because we've got evangelicals who like Huckabee, some of them. They don't all go voting as a monolith. And then you have uh, a lot of folks who have experienced a lot of economic pain there, and he's trying to speak with them and show them that he feels their pain. Mitt Romney's there trying to say, listen, I'm a turnaround artist, and I can turn this economy around. And then John McCain is there saying, we're going to help get jobs. And also, I'm right on Iraq. I was right. The surge worked. So uh, we'll see what happens in Michigan. It's going to be very interesting to watch. But ladies and gentlemen, you know, as we look at this presidential race, and we also look at our emphasis on God and country, uh, we can really say that the Bible speaks to who our leaders are. As a matter of fact, in Proverbs 14, and verse 34, it says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a, a reproach to any people. Many of our listeners are taking that into consideration as they look at this presidential race. And we will continue to do that as we talk about these candidates. So join us tomorrow on Jerry Johnson Live. been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.